Well, I invite you to turn now your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We're going to be reading verses 13 through 18. I learn a lesson or relearn the lesson in not making assumptions. I made the assumption that there would be an Old Testament and a New Testament reading, so I gave one of each to Jerry. But we can dispense with the Jeremiah 1, since I will be preaching from 1 Corinthians chapter 16 this morning. And also, I should have thought to send some outline or sermon notes with these, as I did have some. But uh, you'll just have to try to keep up. But we turn now to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I'll read verses 13 through 18. This is God's holy word as he inspired the Apostle Paul to write to the church at Corinth. And being inspired by the living God, it is therefore the inerrant word of God that we read. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanas were the first converts in Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these, and to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanas and Fortunatus and Achaicus, because they have made up for your absence, for they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. May we briefly pray. Almighty glorious God, who did give your word to your people, we pray now that we would pay attention to it. We ask that the reading, the exposition, and the hearing of your word this morning would be glorifying to you and edifying to all of your people. As we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. As you may well know, if you were at Hebron, I wouldn't have to say that. I'd be able to say, well, as you recall recently, because we just recently finished a series through 1 Corinthians, but as you may well know, when drawing near to the close of a letter, Paul usually gives a quick summary of instructions or a quick series or succession of instructions At the beginning of this chapter, uh, we see some instructions concerning a collection for the saints in Jerusalem. And then Paul wrote of some of his future plans. And in today's reading here, we uh, get to a quick list of some instructions that Paul gives, some behaviors that the apostle wants to encourage the Corinthian brothers and sisters to engage in. In fact, these are interconnected concepts. And I think the best way to see their interconnection is uh, to focus on his exhortation, stand firm in the faith. The other things that we see here in this passage are all ways that uh, we can be helped uh, to stand firm 
in the faith. They're all things that can help us stand firm in the faith. And so today I want to talk first about standing firm in the faith, something about what it means to stand firm in the faith. And then we'll see that in order to stand firm in the faith, we need to be watchful, mature, strong, loving, and submissive to godly church leaders. So what does Paul mean to begin with here in in verse 13 when he commands, stand firm in the faith? The verb Paul uses in the Greek is stakita. It means to stand, to stand fast. Some of your translations, if you're reading another translation than the ESV, might say something like stand fast. And we think of this as, think of the old expression that two people were fast friends. It doesn't mean they became friends really quickly. It means that they are fastened to each other, that, that they are firm friends, that they are bound together. So when Paul says stand fast or stand firm, he's talking about staying in a fixed position. There's probably some etymological relationship, I would guess, descending from ancient Indo-European that would relate this verb stakata to our words like stick and stake, like you know, sticking to something or putting a stake in the ground in a fixed position. In Paul's day, an army officer might actually issue this as a command. He would say to his soldiers, stand when the enemy army was about to charge. The soldiers would then know that they needed to dig into position, uh, usually with the right foot planted a little bit behind the left, and they will talk more about this this evening. Uh, they would have cleats on the bottom of their shoes, little, little studs on the bottom of their shoes that would help them to dig into the ground. His shield held in his left arm overlapping the shields of his comrades to either side. And if there were enough of them, there would be ranks of soldiers behind helping them stand firmly in position. And such a shield wall, when the soldiers were well-trained and disciplined, such a shield wall was known to hold against an enemy charge barely moving at all. So Paul tells Christians to do something like that. Stand firm. Hold to a fixed position. And what fixed position does he want us to stay in? The fixed position from which we must never allow ourselves to be moved, he says, is in the faith. Notice the use of the definite article there. It's the faith, not just stand firm in faith in general, but stand firm in the faith. In the New Testament, when you see faith without the definite article, without the word the there, it's talking about that we believe. You know, faith in Jesus Christ, trust in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.8, by grace you have been saved through faith. You have faith in Jesus Christ, therefore you are saved. And this is the work of God's grace. But when you see the faith with the definite article there, the scripture is talking about what you believe, the actual facts, the system of doctrine that is the basis of Christianity, the core doctrines of the church. 
Jude, verse 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. And Jude then goes on to talk about ungodly men who have infiltrated the church in order to lead people astray with false doctrines. And so there we see when he says the faith, he's talking about what Christians are supposed to believe and not be straying from. The faith is that system of foundational doctrines which cannot be altered without undermining the very core of what Christianity actually is. Christianity is not a changing or evolving system of thought. But it is something, as Jude says, that was once for all delivered to the saints. Well, earlier in 1 Corinthians, Paul dealt with several doctrinal problems. The very first thing that he deals with is unnecessary and ungodly division in the church. Probably the most egregious of the problems that he deals with are the improper use or the abuse of the Lord's Supper. And in chapter 15, a rejection on the part of some of the reality of bodily resurrection. Those are things which stray from the faith. It's little wonder then that Paul would exhort the Corinthian brethren, stand firm in the faith. They need to be reminded to hold tightly, to hold fast to that system of doctrine that they had learned from Paul. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul uses a form of this same verb to stand when he commands in verse 14 that the Ephesians must stand, therefore. In context, we read, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So standing firmly in a fixed position involves taking up the whole armor of God. We don't have time this morning to go into the whole armor of God for that. Come back this evening. I intend to preach on that. But just briefly note, being properly prepared to stand fast, to stand firm in the faith means that you need to have the truth of God's word upholding everything else the way a soldier's belt would gird his waist and held all of his equipment. You need to be adorned with righteousness to guard your heart like a breastplate. You need to dig into position with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Your fixed position is held by the peace that Christ has made between you and your holy creator. And what a relief that is, that it isn't you that has to keep, it isn't me that has to keep myself in a fixed position, but I rely on Christ to do it. You need faith. You need trust in Jesus Christ as your shield. 
You need salvation in Christ guarding your head like a helmet. And just as the Word of God has to be that which holds everything in place for you, it's also the only weapon that you have or need, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. To stand firm, you need these things. But here Paul ties several concepts closely to standing firm in the faith. And here are some things that you need to do if you are going to stand firm in the faith. Number one, be watchful. In verse 13, Paul simply says, watch or be watchful. The the Greek just says plainly, watch. It can mean, the word there used there is uh, Gregorita, it means be alert, be awake, be on guard. Uh, Mark 14, 38, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Be watchful against temptations. Be watchful against temptations. Revelation 3, 2 and 3, Jesus says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief. And you will not know the hour I will come upon you. And there Jesus is telling the church at Sardis to be watchful against indifference, against slowness to repent. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant, the same word, watchful actually. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Be watchful. Be watchful against Satan and his wiles. 1 John 2.16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Be watchful against your own sinfulness, against worldliness. So the first thing you need to do to stand firm in the faith is Watch, be watchful. Number two, to stand firm in the faith, be mature. Verse 13 here says, act like men. The New King James translation says, be brave. Uh, the Greek word there, andridzista, uh, can certainly have that connotation, but it means so much more than being brave. It literally simply means be men. And again, if a military commander were giving this command, uh, we might expect that it would involve bravery. But it does involve even more in that case. Here it says in the ESV, act like men. Paul is not saying, when literally in the Greek he says be men, that all Christians need to be adult males in order to be saved. Ladies, whatever delusions the culture around you embraces these days, it is not possible for you to become a man. In the ancient church, there was a a heresy, a form of Gnosticism, that claimed that in order for women to be saved, and they, of course, defined salvation in a totally different way, but in order to be saved, a woman had to become a man on the inside. Paul is not saying anything like that here. This is a figure of speech. Believe it or not, people in the ancient world used metaphors and figures of speech too. This was a figure of speech. 
It could encourage people to be courageous, that was part of it, but it has broader applications. You might think of it as something like the modern expression, man up. If someone tells you, man up, it might involve bravery, but it also means being firm in your convictions, doing what needs to be done even if it's going to be hard to do. In other words, be grown up. Be mature. Because of its connection in this passage with standing firm in the faith, we can see that it's going to involve growing into a mature understanding of the system of doctrine that is revealed in Scripture. So as a subnote to this, Paul could have said, get into your Bibles. Think of Hebrews 5.12, which says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. If my little girls who are about to turn three refused to eat solid food and were only drinking milk, I'd know there was a problem. And they would not be growing like they ought to grow. And we often tell them things like this, and you probably do with, with your children, right? You say... Uh, eat your vegetables so you can grow up to be big and strong. Well, much as the author of Hebrews scolds his original audience for not having gained the maturity that they should have gained by that time, here he's, Paul is saying to the Corinthians, be men, be mature, be grown-ups in the faith. Maturity in the faith, maturity in knowledge of the content of Scripture, wisdom, for its application in your daily life and in your treatment of one another. That, of course, would have solved a lot of the problems that Paul has dealt with so far in 1 Corinthians. It certainly is necessary if anyone is going to stand in a fixed position on the core doctrines of Christianity. So be mature. Be growing in your knowledge of God and in your application of that knowledge. A third thing that we need to do if we're going to stand firm in the faith is be strong. That's also in verse 13. Simply be strong. Now, the Greek term there is in the passive voice. It can mean be strong or be strengthened. And maybe that's a better way to read it in light of what Scripture has to tell us about how we are strengthened. Be strengthened. I can't make myself strong. You can't make yourself strong in the Lord. The Lord makes you strong. Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices and with my song I shall praise him. Seek the Lord to be strengthened. Flee to him. Rely upon the Lord to strengthen you in faith. Ask him to do so. As we'll see tonight, the way that we actually implement the armor that God gives us is through prayer. That's one of the necessary ways to implement that armor. So seek the Lord in prayer. Seek him to strengthen you. Be strengthened in order to stand firm in the faith. The fourth thing you need to do to stand firm in the faith is to be loving Verse 14, that all that you do, 
be done in love. Just as we see in chapter 15 that a person cannot credibly claim to be a Christian while rejecting the truth of resurrection, of bodily resurrection, you can't be a Christian if you do not love Christ's people. 1 John 2, verses 9 through 11, He who says he is in the, in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. In John 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus says to his disciples, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The hallmark of being a disciple of Jesus Christ is the love that Christians have for one another. If you are a true disciple of Jesus, you will love his other disciples. You cannot even claim to be of the faith if you lack that love. In order to stand firm in the faith, be loving. And then finally, to stand firm in the faith, be submissive to godly church leaders. I know this is a little more of a sticky wicket because we have to figure out who's the godly church leader sometimes. But Paul writes here about three men who were most likely elders in the Corinthian church. And Paul considers them his co-laborers in the gospel. As we can surmise from this passage, they have come to him in Ephesus. That's where he was when he wrote this letter. And they probably brought the letter from the Corinthian church that contained questions that Paul has been answering since about chapter 7. No doubt they gave Paul an oral report also of what was going on. What was their assessment of how things were in the church at Corinth? One of them is a man named Stephanus, whose household, Paul says, were literally, he says, the first fruits of Achaia. Achaia is the region of Greece around Corinth. In chapter 1, verse 16, we read, Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. So here we learn that that was probably the first household that Paul actually baptized in Corinth. There are two other men also with Stephanus that came to Ephesus from Corinth, Fortunatus and Achaicus, in verses 15 through 18. Paul writes, Now I urge you, brothers... You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts, literally, as I said, the first fruits of Achaia, that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these, and to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice in the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus, because they have made up for your absence, for they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such People. Notice he, he knows that these men have refreshed not only his spirit, but the spirits of the people in Corinth. The Reformation Study Bible says of this passage, the passage commends Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus, who 
probably had carried the letter from the church in Corinth. Paul's emphasis, especially in the words, I urge you, brothers, be subject, suggests that these men, Stephanus in particular, were appointed leaders, but did not enjoy proper respect from the congregation. It's hardly surprising when we see, especially early in the letter, how divided this congregation was. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch over your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Elders help watch over our souls. And as an elder, I still include myself there. I say, our. It's not as if I'm, uh, I have authority in the church and I'm not accountable to anyone. I'm accountable to the other elders on my session. I'm accountable to my presbytery. I'm accountable to the synod. And ultimately, I'm accountable to God. Submission to proper authority in the church does not belittle any one of us. It actually builds us up. It's healthy and good for us. It helps to keep us from straying into bad doctrine, into following after false teachers and false and detrimental ways of life. So to stand firm in the faith, be submissive to godly church leaders. So just to summarize here, stand firm in the faith is the main point here. Hold to a fixed position on the essential core doctrines of Christianity. And in order to do that, be watchful. Be on guard against temptations, against indifference, against Satan, against your own sinfulness, against worldliness. Be watchful of those things. Be mature. Now, it's not as if somebody can simply tell you, be mature, and I decide, okay, today I'm going to be mature, and I make myself mature. No, this is a process. We know this is a process. It's one that means that we have to get into the Word of God. That's what feeds us spiritually. We have to worship, we have to pray, we have to use the means of grace to be growing in Christ. But grow in your understanding and application of God's word especially. Seek God to strengthen you that you might not stray from sound doctrine. And be loving. It's very easy to do that last, those last few things, to, to be seeking really deep doctrine and all of the deep things that we find in Scripture, and then to ignore the importance of love. But be loving. Love for Christ's people is the hallmark. It was the mark that Jesus said, other people will know that you belong to me because of the way you love each other. And that's the hallmark of one who stands firmly on the doctrines of grace. And then lastly, be submissive to godly elders. Be guided by them as they labor both for themselves and for you to be standing firm in the faith. Stand firm in the faith. Well, let's pray. Lord, grant that we might indeed stand firm, holding fast to a fixed position in the faith, the one system of doctrine that was once for all delivered to the saints. Make us watchful, grow us into full maturity, strengthen us, build us up in love, and also in submission to godly church leaders. 
For we desire to serve you well and to hold fast to Christ, our only Redeemer, in whose name we pray. Amen.